She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files adjacent podcast. Millennium, season one. Episode 21, Maranatha. It's red heat meets NYPD blue, but spooky. (laughs) Frank Black teams up with a Russian police officer when a mythical Russian serial killer, reported to be a portent of the apocalypse, leaves a trail of bodies from Moscow to Brooklyn. Or, as another Frank would put it, is it all just a hallucination brought in by Russian vodka poisoned by Chernobyl? Let's find out. Oh. Wait, who's the other Frank? Frank Cross from Scrooged. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, cool. Got to get a Bill Murray quote in there somewhere. Yeah. I need to rewatch that movie. I haven't seen that movie in a long time. This episode was written by Chip Johannesson and directed by Peter Markle. It was filmed on location in British Columbia, Canada, and originally aired on Friday, May 9th, 1997. 19 days before Tori's 15th birthday. Yay. (laughs) I was not watching this show at the time, so I did not know what was happening on here. So it's nighttime, and we're outside of what looks like a power plant, possibly a nuclear power plant. Mm. Inside, things are not going well, which is never good in a power plant, especially one of the nuclear variety. Needles on gauges are moving to yellow, then red. Everyone is talking in Russian. Whatever they're trying isn't working, and an alarm sounds, and red emergency lights flash. A possible explosion rocks the building, and everyone begins evacuating, some of them tumbling over each other to escape. A guard runs up a flight of stairs against the wave of those trying to run out. He reaches another guard on a landing. Russian is translated on the screen for us, which is good. I don't speak Russian. (laughs) The guard on the landing says, it's Yaponichik. The first guard asks if he saw him. The second says, he must be here. The first guard says to check unit B. Outside, people and vehicles flee, but a man in black approaches a chain-link fence on the opposite side of the exit. He pauses and then climbs the fence. Then we see where we are, which is Chernobyl, USSR, April 26, 1986. It is 1.23.35 a.m. And then there's a bad digi explosion and a tower falls over. (sighs) The scene crossfades to rows of lit devotional votive candles in a church. Wow, this is a big opening. Yeah, it is. Then we're in Brighton Beach, Brooklyn, New York, May 4th, 1997. An icon painting has literally been defaced. Two men in black look at the vandalism. In translated Russian, a detective asks who would do this. The other man, a priest, says it was him. Here, the detective asks. The priest nods and leaves. The detective follows. They go outside and the detective says, Father bless. The priest draws the cross on him and the detective kisses his hand. The priest goes back inside and the detective leaves, but we see that someone was watching them. (gasps) As the detective walks away, he turns to look back at the church. And when he turns forward again, he's startled. It's the man we saw climbing the fence and walking away from Chernobyl 11 years earlier. Yaponichik, he asks. Yaponichik pulls out an extremely short-barreled, double-barrel shotgun. 
The detective begins to cross himself, and Yaponichik fires a point-blank at his face. The force throws the detective against the street pole behind him, and then he falls to the ground. Yaponichik pulls out a pair of surgical snippers and bends down over the body. <gasps> and then we get the main titles. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a lot. A lot going on. That was a lot. That was a lot going on. Well, I turned it over to you and it's like a whole novel. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if this guy is actually a detective. I was using some transcript stuff to figure out who some of the people were. He's never well, he is actually named later. I don't know that he's a detective though, because if he is, he doesn't see it in, like later we're gonna talk to some police and no one mentioned anything about a detective being killed. So yeah, so I don't know if he's or he might just be some dude. I don't know. Anyway. Just, just to clarify that. And I don't think he's named in the credits. I couldn't figure out who he is. So so we come back and we get our epigraph. This one's kind of funny. <laughs> Behold, ye scoffers, for I will work wonders in your days, which ye shall not believe. And this is the book of Habakkuk. So I like that. Behold, ye scoffers. That's funny. The book of Habakkuk, which I'm probably saying wrong, is a separate book of the Bible. So it's not part of the Old or New Testament. It's like a whole different thing. Oh. And this is apparently a Millennium Original Translation. There is a King James version of this book, though. And it reads, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told to you. And this is supposed to be God himself speaking to people, by the way, ye scoffers. So, I mean, oh, kind of, okay. Like, I'm going to do some shit and you're going to be like, oh my God. And you're going to be like, yeah, I'm God. That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a flex. Just it's like, a flex from God. Yeah. I just like that. Behold, you scoffers. I thought that was. Funny. I know. It's good. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> whenever we talk about podcast reviews or something, we should be like, behold, you scoffers. We will, scoffers. Be, we will be doing, doing this yeah. podcast. Yeah. And then, so the title of the episode is Maranatha. And so like, well, what does Maranatha mean? So most English Bible versions actually translate Maranatha as if it should be divided into two words, which would be like Marana and then Tha, which means our Lord come. However, it is not always translated. It appears only once in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 16.22. The King James Version reads, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. So they don't even translate it in the King James Bible. Or as the New International Version reads, if anyone does not love the Lord, let that person be cursed. Come, Lord. So I don't know why the New International Version is Southern, but it is. So yeah. It's just the vibe. It's just the vibe you get from it. So yeah, that yeah. makes sense. It kind of it kind of became Southern in the middle. It didn't start Southern, but it kind of ended up Southern. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Anyway. So it's daytime and Frank is being driven through Brighton Beach past the street market by Lieutenant Detective McCormick, who tells him that 150,000 Russians immigrated to Brighton Beach because it supposedly reminds them of Odessa. He assumes Odessa must be a dump. They distrust the police and he understands why. They come from a place where selling some fruit on the street to make a few rubles or going to church makes you a criminal. And Frank doesn't seem particularly comfortable with McCormick's commentary about the immigrants. Mm -hmm. Just FYI. 
I would almost say that McCormick is being racist, but then McCormick is black, and so I'm not sure I can actually use that term. I don't know how that works. So possibly just bigoted. Yeah. Frank says this is the third mutilated body found in public. McCormick confirms. No ID due to the method of execution. A terror tactic, Frank says. McCormick says it's working. Frank says a thousand people pass the body and no one calls it in. McCormick points out a guy and pulls over. The man is Yura Sarova, Moscow PD. He has three bodies in a morgue there with the same MO. No suspects, Frank asks. None he's telling, McCormick says. He says Yura makes $167 a month. No way he's clean. Because basically he... uh. <laughs> He's not making enough to live, so he's got to <laughs> have his hands dirty somewhere because otherwise he wouldn't be surviving. But Frank says maybe he's not in it for the money. Mm. They get out and greet Yura. McCormick introduces them. Yura and Frank shake hands. McCormick apparently has a meeting, so he asks Yura to clue Frank in on things and leaves. Yura's like, Frank Black, Millennium Group. I think you'd clue me. And Frank smiles. But he knows about the Millennium Group. Yeah. Ooh. They go over to the pole where the body was found propped up against it. The face was removed via shotgun and the fingers were cut off. There's blood on the ground. Pellet shot has pockmarked the pole and several handbills that were attached. There's blood on the pole. Classic mob hit, Yura says. Except one victim was a woman, Frank points out. That's unusual for the mob. Yura says in Russia, everyone is a target. He says based on the dispersal, the weapon had to be short, pistol-sized, 12-gauge or better. Frank removes a piece of glass from the pole. Yura says it's a handload designed to obliterate the target. Frank looks at the pole and he has a vision. The detective, the bloody pole, the shotgun blast from the detective's point of view, a bloody explosion that merges with an explosion from Chernobyl and a man screaming through it. Frank says, the man just stood there and took the hit. Yura says they know he's Russian. An American, when faced with such overwhelming force, would dig in and fight back. A Russian just crosses himself and dies. Frank asks to see the other victims. Yura is really pro-Russia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think... I think he's just saying that Russians that was sarcasm. are stoic. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he's just saying like Russians are stoic and like resigned. Like you come at them with a gun and they're just like, oh shit, okay, I'm dead. Yeah. Whereas Americans are just like, you know, going to scream and fight. Maybe yeah. it's not necessarily. But... Just, when he's all like, in Russia, everyone is target because the way, because Russian doesn't have articles like mm -hmm. those and those. So like when you, that's why like a lot of people wouldn't. They're speaking English. They'll drop the O's and the does and stuff. But I, it was totally like, yeah, gosh, man, in Russia, everyone is. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> Lieutenant Detective McCormick is played by Bill Nunn, who was immediately recognizable to me, even though I didn't know it from what. Turns out he played Radio Raheem in Do the Right Thing, which, despite okay. having seen that more than once and actually have been thinking about that character just a few days ago, is not where I was thinking of him from. In fact, I was like, oh, shit, he was Radio Raheem? Oh, I didn't know that. So that wasn't it. He was Robbie Robertson in all three Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies. Okay. Yeah, I think I've maybe seen Spider-Man 3, though not like all in one sitting. And I don't think I've seen any of the Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2. So Spider-Man 3 is the one with Topher Grace as Eddie Brock Venom and Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Actually, I 
So for the Tobey Maguire series, I've seen the first two. I never actually saw the third one. I saw oh, clips okay. of it being terrible, and I was like, I don't need to watch that. Okay, yeah. I was visiting people who had cable and it was like almost on all the time so i got to see yeah. I, I, th- I think i saw the whole thing but again i don't think i saw it in order i think i saw like you know the middle and then maybe the end and then maybe the beginning or some yeah anyway. well thomas so. church does come back in spider-man mm, what's the multiverse one no way home yeah so. no way home yeah. he's definitely in that as a villain so yeah so it wasn't that movie either it wasn't those even though like i am a spider-man fan i know who robert robertson is even though i guess in his name robbie is like a nickname it's not his actual name but anyway so what i think it was though when i was scrolling through the imd credits is that he played harrison ford's physical therapist in regarding henry so oh. i bet money that's where i recognize him from so i watched that movie a lot so for some reason i just did anyway yeah so that's probably where i remember him from and also Topher gray should have totally been peter parker not toby mcguire I'm sorry. So, yeah, it's my opinion. Not a fan of Toby <laughs> McGuire, honestly. So, Yura is played by Boris Krotonog, which I know I'm saying wrong. And he's played a lot of Russians, surprisingly, including in their Hunt for Red October, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and Star Trek Voyager, in which he played the same character in both of those. Nice. He was in Mantis. He was in Air Force One, Nightman, Curb Your Enthusiasm, two episodes each of Alias, NYPD Blue, and 24. And he was in 13 episodes of The Americans, all of them, in which he played Russians. He was also the co-executive producer of 194 episodes of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, you know, I'm not just going to act. I'm going to do some producing (laughs) as well. And then Yaponichik is played by Levani. Oh, man. I'm sorry, I'm not going to finish saying that, which is probably why he sometimes just goes by Levani mm-hmm. and just doesn't even try. So he played John Mastow in X-Files Season 3, Episode 14, Grotesque, the okay. one with the gargoyle. Mm-hmm. And he's also played a lot of Russians, many of them actually in Russian films even. So Sam Credits has a lot of Russian movies. His U.S. work includes Air Force One. Nice. And actually the same episode of Nightman as Boris. Nice. He was also in Independence Day as a Russian pilot and Blade as a Russian vampire. Okay. Yeah, he definitely looked familiar. And I've seen Independence Day and Blade multiple times. So I'm sure that's, and plus X-Files, obviously. Well, (laughs) I didn't, I got confused because I didn't recognize from X-Files. I actually thought the other guy was the guy from the X-Files. Oh. I I think it's because in X-Files, his hair is really close cropped. And so in this one, his hair is, he's got a little bit more hair. And so I think that might've been confusing me, but he's okay. the one from Grotesque. I, I actually got them confused. I was like, wait, he's not, because when I was looking up Boris's IMDb, I was like, they said he's in the X-Files, where's the X-Files? And I realized I was thinking about the wrong guy, the wrong character. Oh. So, also, because both their characters' names start with Y in this episode, and then they're both playing Russian guys. So, yeah. Yeah. Easy to mix up for sure. So a coroner recites stats on one of the victims as Frank and Yura stand beside a body and others are brought in. McCormick arrives with Andrei Melnikov, an undercover officer. He's introduced to Frank and Yura. When he hears Yura is Moscow PD, he says something in Russian and Yura produces a pack of cigarettes and offers him one. Andrei is delighted and Yura flicks a lighter to, you know, light him up. The coroner's like, whoa, we've got flammable chemicals in here. Like, you cannot smoke. <laughs> so so Andre and Euro leave, and they're talking, like, in these, like, kind of hushed Russian words, you know, mm-hmm. having a conversation they clearly don't want translated or overheard. 
McCormick asks if they have anything, and the coroner begins droning on again while Frank goes to look at another body. Frank sees Yura and Andre through the glass, speaking animatedly and possibly arguing about something. The female body has a surgical scar behind the ear and flecks of gold leaf or gilding in their hair. Mm. The most recent has thyroid damage, possibly from radiation exposure. Yura and Andre have come back in, and Yura says it could be from anything. Russia has toxins everywhere. In addition to the fingers that were cut off, several fingers were blown off in a shotgun blast and were not found. Frank suggests that means he was crossing himself when he was shot. Yura was right. Frank then sees something, so he grabs the UV light, and he sees a three-lined symbol that's visible on the skin near the hairline. It was put there post-mortem. Frank asks Yura what he thinks. Yura says it's a mob sign, but he looks a little suspicious and maybe kind of afraid of it. Like, he looks kind of nervous, so Mm. I don't know if he knows more than he's saying. Mm. Then we see Frank has drawn the symbol in a computer database that looks suspiciously like Microsoft Paint, (laughs) but is managing to do a search somehow. So I'm not exactly sure how that works, but uh, 90s software. And he does a search for the symbol. He gets four hits. One is a Slavonic letter. Another is kanji. He checks a box for partial matches, and he gets 12,763 results. So quite a bit to search through. Yura comes in, and he's like, the killer's not in a computer. Frank says the marks aren't a mob sign. Yura's like, well, when you find out what it is, let me know. I'll be out there looking. So basically, he's like kind of mocking him for looking on the computer. He's like, you need to be out on the streets looking for this guy. Yeah, out on the streets, man. (laughs) Speaking of the streets, in a Russian-language nightclub, Yura and Andre are among the customers. Andre says the singer is a friend of his, and he'll introduce Yura. But Yura says he's working, and Andre is like, you're always working. And they've apparently set Yura up as a dealer in icons and are hoping that he is interested. So... Mm -hmm. It's a sting. Yeah. So then Frank enters <laughs> and they see him. And Frank stands out like a sore thumb because everyone yeah. in the room is like Russian. Like, except for I think the singer because later she sings in English too. But but also they're like club goers and like, I don't know, he yeah. looks kind of out of place. Yeah. Yura gets up and says he'll take care of it. So he goes over to the bar and him and Frank kind of start arguing a little bit because he's like, you're going to blow our cover and all that kind of stuff. Meanwhile, as they're talking, we see a figure in black like from the chest down moving through the crowd and we see the other patrons kind of look at them mm. and then the figure takes your seat and andre turns from the stage and begins to say like hey the seat is taken but then stops when he sees the figure because it's yaponichik yaponichik asks andre if he knows who he is and andre is silent and then yaponichik pulls out his sub no shotgun and we see frank and yura talking some more and then we hear someone yell out yaponichik and then we hear a shotgun blast and the crowd presses against Yura and Frank as they're trying to flee because they're like near the entrance where the bar is. And Yura is like grabbing people and throwing them aside. And then Frank is finally able to get to the table and he finds Andre dead on the floor. And Yura has someone pressed up against the wall and is shouting at them in Russian, where is he? And Frank grabs Yura's shoulder and turns him around. And he's like, who's Japonichik? And Yura says nothing. So Frank says it again, who's Japonichik? And then Yura just walks away. Mm-hmm. And it's commercial. Mm. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. 
In the police station, McCormick looks at a composite sketch. He asks a man if this is who he saw. The man says nothing. McCormick says his buddy says he saw this guy and holds up a completely different sketch. Then he moves on to other witnesses, asking the same question. In a closed office, Frank again asks Yura who Yuponichik is. He says Yura turned when he heard the name right before the gun blast. Yura replies, who is Dracula? Who is Frankenstein? He's the Russian boogeyman. He says everything is crazy in Russia right now. All the old beliefs, everyone believes things must be superstition and magic. They're scared in ways the communists could never achieve. It can't be a man committing these murders. It must be Yuponichik walking the earth. Ooh. Ooh. But Frank isn't buying it. He says Yura believed he was there. Yura says no, but the witnesses do. Look at their drawings. Frank says they're scared for their lives. Their composites are worthless. But you believe them when they say his name, Yura asks? Good point. Yeah, it's true. McCormick comes in pissed off and throws down a folder filled with sketches, and we assume they're all different because no one is actually describing the guy that they saw. Mm -hmm. Yura says he'll go talk to them. Frank looks at one of the sketches. Then he goes to a wall pinned with crime scene photos and looks at one with graffiti on the wall near the body. It's a P with an X through the leg of the P. Hmm. At the site from the photo, handbills are on the wall covering the top of the graffiti, leaving only the bottom exposed, which looks like the symbol found on the body, a sort of upside-down bisected V. Frank pulls off the papers to reveal the full symbol as seen in the photo. People walking by react to the symbol and then move along pretty quickly, so whatever it is is something people do not want to be around. Frank follows one man to a church, which is the same church from the opening. And on its gate is the same symbol. <gasps> Ooh. I thought this scene was weird because he looks at the crime scene photo and you see the full symbol. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to the crime scene. And obviously it's been a while, right? Because it's one yes. of the older crimes. And like there's handbills over the top and it only shows the bottom. And then he pulls them off to show the whole thing. I think it would have been better if the photo had showed just the bottom, which would match what he drew. So then he goes there and pulls it off and sees the full symbol. I think that would yeah. have looked better. That would have made more sense. It um, would have made but, way more sense. Because then, you know, I mean, obviously he's there to look at the crime scene, but it's like, I don't know, it's less dramatic. Yeah. Well, also, it's like it's like it was it was totally visible, even though apparently people were reacting weird to it, even though it's on the front of the church, which is also. Yeah, that's also weird because people did act like, oh, you know. Yeah, like there's some little kids and they look at it and they're like, whoa, they start walking fast. And the other dude is like looking back at Frank, like, what are you doing, guy? Why are you uncovering that? And then he goes into the church with the same symbol on the door. So it's a little strange. It is but, a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. So Frank enters the church and a service is being performed. A man greets him in Russian. Frank nods and continues inside. He walks by the defaced icon and touches it. Gilding from the halo on the icon comes off in his fingers. He enters the service and sits in a pew. He notices several people have disfigurements or ailments. The service seems to be for the detective killed in the opening. His photo is on the altar and the priest, also from the opening, speaks in Russian of Eugenie, which we assume was the detective's name. Yeah. So they apparently know who it is. 
Yeah. Even though they're the, not the told the don't. police, I guess, because the police have not asked people. I well, don't because, know. well, no one's talking to the police, right? That's I mean, true. That's true. No one is talking. Everyone's kind of yeah. keeping mum and drawing fake sketches. So, yeah. So it's nighttime and it's raining. And a car pulls up behind another parked car in what is probably supposed to be the Brooklyn Bridge, which we kind of assume is not because this was filmed in Vancouver. So a driver gets out and enters the passenger side of the first vehicle. And then we see that it's Peter Watt. So they're all sneaky. They only show like the feet and stuff. We don't know who it is. It's all dark. <laughs> but then it's like gets in the car. and It's like, oh, it's Peter Watts. And Frank's Yay. in the driver's seat of the other car. So, yeah, he thanks Peter for coming. And Peter says he was worried about Frank's tone when he called. And then they're talking about the symbol. Frank knows that it's the monogram of the Christ. And Peter says that it suggests that someone secretly blessed the body. Peter won't go so far as to say that Yura knew what the symbol meant, but he will say that Yura has been holding out on Frank. And he pulls out a packet of photos. Turns out that Yura was state security at Chernobyl. And Frank is like, Chernobyl? And Peter says it's the common thread. The physical deformities caused by the radiation even Yaponichik's name. And Peter brings up Revelation 8.10, and Frank is like, John, speaking of the apocalypse, a bright star falling, brilliant like a torch. And then Peter says, the name of the star was Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Chernobyl is Ukrainian for Wormwood, he says. Ooh. Also, that part he talked about with Wormwood, that's actually in Revelation 8.11. So 10 is about the star, and then 11 is all the Wormwood stuff. And also, remember in Kolchak, they were talking about Wormwood, that one mm -hmm. where they went to that, he went to that UFO meeting, and they were all, like, talking about Wormwood and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. they were probably reading from the Bible or something, I guess. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Frank matter-of-factly says the nuclear accident that was predicted in the Bible. So Frank is apparently all about that. Well, I mean, the Millennium Group is all about, like, prophecy and stuff. So, I mean, that makes sense that he would be like, well, we, you know, He's probably read files about how Chernobyl was predicted oh. in the Bible or something, I'm sure. Uh, Surprised that he believes it, but, you know. Yeah. Well, I don't know that he believes it. It's just funny because he says it like, he doesn't say like, do you think the nuclear accident was predicted in the Bible? He's just like, oh, the nuclear accident predicted in the Bible. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. Of course. Yeah, that one. Peter says that many people in Russia believe it wasn't an accident. One of the biggest myths is that Yaponichik caused it. Oh. <gasps> Frank looks at the photos from Chernobyl. And Yura and Andre are the guards that we saw in the opening. Yura being the one that was climbing the stairs, and Andre was the one on the landing. I did not realize that. I went back and looked. I'm like, oh, shit, it totally is them. They're made to look younger because it was like 11 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, although surprisingly, Yaponichek is not made to look any older or younger in either scene. Mm. Mm. And he's like okay. wearing the exact same clothes all the time, too. Yeah, mm. it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Frank says they believe all of it. That's why Yura is here. Trying to find Yaponichik. <gasps> Frank is sitting in the hall of the police station when Yura enters. He tells Yura he wasn't honest with him and shows him the photo. Yura says he doesn't talk about Chernobyl. Would Frank? Frank says his rampage wasn't about his friend being killed. He was mad that he missed Yaponichik. He went there not as a cop, but as an assassin to kill Yaponichik. But Yura says there is no Yaponichik and leaves. Mm. At the church, the priest is performing the Eucharist, moving along members of the congregation that are lined up. He says in Russian, child of God, and then the purse's name, and then spoons the wine-soaked bread into their mouth. Thomas 
Daria. And the next member, he says, child of God, and then stops. He sees Yuponichik is standing before him. Mm. The priest moves on to the next person, child of God, Tatiana, as Yuponichik looks at him. Whoa. Yeah. Ooh, I almost thought Yuponichik was going to without his shotgun I, in yeah. the church. <laughs> I really thought he was going to like shoot the priest in the face right there. And I was like, holy crap, but he does not. So it's okay. Get priest all over the portal. Altar I boy know. is holding the bowl. <laughs> Goodness. All in the wine and blood yeah. and body. And I don't know. I don't know if they're called altar boys. And I don't, I don't know if this is Russian Orthodox or, or just like generic religious stuff they're doing. I have no idea. I have no so, idea. Wouldn't know. Yeah. The most I know about Russian Orthodox is from Vampire Academy, so it's probably not entirely no. accurate. Well, Yuponichik did play a Russian vampire in Blade, so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so then we go to commercial, and we come back, and McCormick and Yur are seated at a conference table in the police station, and Frank and Peter Watts are standing. And Frank explains what happened at Chernobyl and that in Russia, it is widely believed to have been an act of sabotage by a man named Yuponichik. And Peter says they believe he is the same man committing the homicides. Yura says Yuponichik is a myth. And Frank says Yuponichik's goal is terror against anyone who doesn't believe he is a myth. Anyone determined to prove his identity. And then they have a big argument about methods and Frank says he doesn't work with assassins. And Yura gets upset. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like that Frank is drawing a line. Like, I don't know. How, I've become so jaded about, like, justice and the justice system. And I still watch crazy amounts of, like, procedurals where I'm, like, you know, rooting for the cops and the lawyers. But, like, in reality, I'm like, mm. But, I mean, I do like that Frank does have some morals on that level. And is like, you can't just shoot people. You know, you have to go through the process. Yeah. Yura gets upset. And McCormick, who is kind of siding with Yura, because Yurik is like, we just got to be... Karma's like, well, yeah, we got to catch this guy. But anyway, he tells Yura to give them 48 more hours. And then Peter says they have a lead. The priest identified another victim, the woman. She restored relics. Icons, Frank says. Russian icons. He's like, looks at Yura the whole time while he's saying it. And Yura's all... Mm. <laughs> so, in the restoration studio of the woman, whose name was Galena, the priest talks to Frank and Peter. And then he stops and he reads from an open book. And Frank is like, those are the words spoken at the door of the church. And the priest nods and translates, I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. And Frank says, those are the last words of the Bible. And the priest nods. Technically, those are not the last words of the Bible. So Revelation 22.20 does read, He which testifieth, these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, Come, Lord Jesus. So that's you're like that's just translation difference. That's fine. But then Revelations twenty two twenty one comes up, stinking from behind like cheese, and says, "The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all." Amen. Those are the last words of the King James Version of the New Testament. So nice. Not exactly the last words of the Bible. Priest should know that. Mm, suspect. <laughs> anyway, get him. He's fake. <laughs> <laughs> He's working with Yuponichek. That's why he didn't get his head blown off in the church. Anyway, Peter finds some gold leaf, which, remember, had been found in Glena's hair, which makes sense because she's a Victorian icon. She'd probably get some of it in her hair. And she gets mm -hmm. everywhere. If you ever work with gold leaf, she yes. everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Glena had recently restored several icons for the church. 
Peter says, based on the size of the collection in the studio, she must have been trafficking them for years. The priest walks over and removes the icon from Peter's hand. He's like, not trafficking, protecting. The communists tried to destroy them, and now criminals sell them to the highest bidder. So, priest is on her side. <laughs> then Peter unwraps a package, one of several that are sitting on a table, and it's addressed to someone at the Russian consulate. And inside is an icon. And the priest is like, Glita would not do that. And Peter wonders why, after protecting them for so long, she would suddenly send them away. And Frank says maybe she knew it was coming. And he's holding an icon, and then he has a vision, similar to the one of the detective, except with Glina. So it's got, like, the shotgun blast and mm -hmm. blood and then, like, the Chernobyl explosion, all that kind of stuff. And he says she faltered. They were an offering, but he killed her anyway. She knew who he was. Rather than cease to be a myth, he killed her, creating more terror among the believers, feeding the myth. And then Peter reads the name on the package, Sergei Stepanovich Senin. Frank doubts that's his real name any more than Yaponichik is. And the priest looks away, concerned. Mm. So the priest is played by Mikhail Aniel. Almost all of his credits are either in Polish or Russian television and films. I just don't want to leave him out since we were talking about the other people. So Yeah, well, that's but fair. Because like, this is the only thing I recognize. Everything else is not in English. So. <laughs> then we're at the consulate of the Russian Federation. Frank and Peter Watts arrive. A woman leads them down a hall to a large wood paneled room and asks them to wait. And then she leaves. A man enters. Peter asks him if he's Sergei Stavanovich. From behind him, another man says, I am Sergei Stavanovich. It is Yaponichik. <gasps> Peter hands him the package and says it's for him. So the other man opens it, and Yaponichik lifts the icon from the box and tells the man to give them something for their trouble. Peter asks why Galena sent him this. He says his job is to recover icons, treasures looted from his country. Perhaps her conscience got to her. Frank says she's dead. Yaponichik asks if there are any suspects. Frank tells him to turn the icon over. On the back is a label from the Metropolitan Museum. $48, Peter says. Yaponichik says it was real and the label was added to make it look like a fake. He then asks what they think they're doing. I think it would have been funny if Frank was like, turn over and there was a mirror on the back. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> He's like, yeah. are there any suspects? He's like, turn it over, and then there'd be a mirror there. <laughs> that would have been good. Yeah, a missed opportunity, Millennium. <laughs> Although Frank doesn't seem like the whimsical yeah. pranking type, but that would be pretty great. Frank says she tried to save herself, but he killed her anyway. Why? To show that he could? And then Yaponichik gets angry, and Frank says the name Yaponichik. Yaponichik stops and asks if they heard that from Crazy Yura, who spent six months in a mental hospital. He goes up to Frank and says they make fools of themselves. He turns to leave with the icon under his arm and says they will be escorted out, and then he speaks to the other man in Russian. Frank says he was a myth, no more. Yaponichik hesitates and then steps out of the room. Mm. McCormick is mad and tells Frank that the guy has diplomatic immunity. Frank says it's him. He's a murderer and a terrorist, and he'll vanish soon. McCormick says he's with the consulate and tells Frank he needs to steer clear. 
diplomatic immunity oh no which i don't think that's how diplomatic immunity works because it comes up in tv shows like this all the time where it's like oh he's killing people but we can't get him i think if you murder i don't think you have diplomatic immunity for that so i mean it might be does say something about like they can't even touch him unless they have an indictment so i think you need like evidence yeah Yeah. you would need strong evidence but it doesn't mean that you're just like shielded from all crimes like some tv shows do kind of pretend like you can just crime without any kind of consequences and that's not how that works <laughs> yeah so frank goes into the media room with the crime photos after he gets yelled at by mccormick and mccormick leaves and peter is sitting at the table and then frank says the monogram of christ is a shield a protection against evil against Japonichik. peter asks and frank says the priest sees something different and peter's like yeah he does he sees the second coming preceded by chernobyl wormwood And Frank says in the last days, the Antichrist appears and slaughters the faithful, but he's not a devil with like horns and a tail. He's just an evil man, not supernatural. But then Peter's like, yeah, but it also says he survives a fatal head wound and unites the 10 nations of Europe against Israel. And Frank is like, maybe not of Europe, but of Russia. And then he names off some of the, you know, because Russia split up recently. And so maybe there's 10 of them. I don't know. I didn't go through and count. He doesn't name all of them. But Peter's like, do you honestly believe that? And Frank says, it doesn't matter if I believe it. They do. The priest, Yura, Andre, all stalking the Antichrist in the last days. Mm. Yeah. So then we see Yaponichik's gunfire from the point of view of a victim. So like it's like aiming at us, right? And it's all. And we see men fleeing from a bathhouse where Yaponichik has shot a man whose faceless body lies slumped against the wall. And then, as Japonichik is crouched down, snipping off the man's fingers, we hear him all, snip, snip. <laughs> we see that Yura is in the steam, and he's got his gun drawn, so he's sneaking up on Japonichik all silent. And we also see there's a second body on the floor, so actually Japonichik killed two guys in this room. And then Yura steps forward and has his gun pointing at Japonichik's head. And Japonichik kind of, like, senses that there's someone behind him, and he turns, and he tells Yura that he can't kill him. And then he turns back and goes back to cutting fingers off. And Yura shoots him in the back of the head. And his bloody snipper skitter across the floor. And he obviously like, oh, and like falls to the floor. And then Yura spits on him and picks up the shotgun. And he shouts, Govno, which means shit, apparently, in Russian. And then Japan's body just laying there. And Yura leaves. And it's commercial. So, yeah. yeah. I thought he was saying Govno like he was doing like a British oh. accent or something. <laughs> but no, it's a, no. yeah. So. Shit seems a weird word to say, but maybe that's, they didn't want to go too hardcore on television with. Yeah, I don't know how much they can get away with, even in Russia. Yeah. yeah. We see police lights and a body being loaded into an ambulance. It pulls away as Frank and Peter arrive. McCormick gives them the lowdown. Three bodies. Two Russians, one they're working on. Inside, forensics is tagging the scene. Frank has a flash of severed fingers and a bloody explosion. McCormick says Yaponichik must have left in a hurry and points to the tag snippers on the floor. Frank says he thinks he was the third body. They need to get to the hospital to see if he's alive. McCormick is like, that was a serious gunshot wound to the head. He's DOA. Peter goes to Frank and is like, you don't think the wound healed? Frank doesn't reply. 
McCormick is looking at them like they have lost their minds. Like, he does <laughs> not look like he... He's like, that guy was shot in the head. There's no way, but they're... Mm. But then in the ambulance, the wrapped body moves. The EMT who's riding him back with it puts down his magazine and he pulls back the plastic covering the body. An arm flops out, but doesn't move. He puts it back across the chest and starts to cover it again when the hand grabs him. He shouts to the front that the guy is alive. So the body is rushed to the ER. I guess it's not really a body if he's alive. The person is rushed to the (laughs) ER. The EMT tells him the guy had zero vitals for 20 minutes and then awoke to a grand mall. The doctor asks if they have any info besides the guy coming back to life after having his brains blown out. And the EMT is just like, no, he was gone. The doctor's like, yeah, right. We'll take it from here. So I feel like the doctor's like, you stupid EMT. You couldn't (laughs) even tell this guy was like, he's kind of condescending about it, but whatever. Also, (laughs) go change your drawers because you probably crapped it in when the dude grabbed you. Probably. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) On the way to the hospital, Frank gets confirmation over the phone that Yaponichik has vitals. And Peter says the police and the paramedics said he didn't. And Frank is like, the hollow point entered the back of his head, somehow missed his brain, and then didn't expand until hitting his face. And Peter's like, do you honestly believe that? Like, he would have said, like, what's <laughs> fucking wrong with you if he could have gotten away with it on television? Uh-huh. Yeah. Frank doesn't answer. But then Peter asks about Yura. So we cut to Yura, who is not being suspicious at all, moving through the halls of the hospital like there's an active shooter in there. He's all, like, up against the wall, like, turning corners and stuff. Total normal behavior. And then in the room, the doctor tells the nurse that somehow the guy is stable. They need to get in the call for a reconstruction. The guy is a special case. And then they leave. And, you know, there's, like, no police there to, like, guard the body or nothing. They just leave him there. And then Yuri just goes on in. And Yaponichik is in the bed. And three-quarters of his face is bandaged. Like, he like a little bit of the top of his head and one of his eyes is exposed. Yura pulls out his gun. And Yaponichik opens his visible eye and just looks at Yura. And in a gravelly voice through the bandages, he asks him what he'll tell them back in Moscow. He shot a man in the back of the head and still failed. Ooh, burning, man. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he gestures for Yuri to lean closer. So he kind of gets his hand up and does a little finger thing like, closer, closer. And so Yura does, which I'm like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? I anyway, know. I don't yeah. know. Yaponichik says he watched Yura chase him. And he could have killed him many times. Yura only lives because he let him live. And he says that Yura is there to protect him. Yura backs up and puts the gun right against Yaponichik's chest. And Yaponichik just looks at him and tells him to put the gun down. He cannot do this. He is not the one. Like he has the power over him or something. Yeah. So Frank, Peter, and McCormick arrive at the hospital. The doctor leads them to Yaponichik's room, but he's gone. <gasps> Frank says they'll take him to the consulate. The doctor's like, that's impossible. There's no way off the floor. And Frank asks if they have a medevac pad. <gasps> Cue a helicopter against the starless sky. Yura and Yaponichik stand on the roof as it approaches. Frank, Peter, McCormick, and several officers, plus some hospital staff, all run up the stairs. Access to the pad is locked off by a security gate, so they can see Yura and Yaponichik through the Mm -hmm. gate, but they can't get through. Frank shouts to Yura over the helicopter's noise. Yura knows who Yaponichik is, 
deceiver of all mankind. Whatever he says, he's lying. The chopper lands and men come off and grab your Ponichik. Yura stands there. Frank calls to him. It's not too late. McCormick yells that Yaponichik's getting away. Yura says it's decided. Yaponichik turns as he's bundled onto the helicopter and beckons for Yura. Frank shouts, it's not decided. One of the men runs back and grabs Yura. Yura shouts no and resists and tries to run towards Frank and the others who are behind the fencing. Frank reaches out for him. He reaches the gate and Frank holds on to him. The man says Yura is a Russian citizen and tells Frank not to interfere. The man and another who has come from the chopper step back and draw guns. McCormick and his officers draw theirs. The men finally relent and they retreat and board the helicopter. The helicopter lifts from the pad. We see that the call number on the underside is E666. <gasps> Yura drops to his knees weeping. What have I done? The helicopter disappears into the night. Whoa, 666. Ooh, subtle. <laughs> yeah, wow. Also, I don't know why they didn't just shoot that gate when they first got there. Like, oh, uh, the gate. You go, got guns. Yeah, shoot the gate. You could go through. <laughs> anyway. I also thought, like, the helicopter was going to explode or something. Like, when it oh, left, right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, something was going to happen. Like, it was going to explode. Or, like, shoot the helicopter. I mean, yeah, yeah, it would probably crash down and kill people on the ground, but hey, you know, Antichrist wouldn't be alive, or would he? <laughs> yeah. uh, who knows? In a service at the church, the priest says in Russian, child of God, Yura. Yura steps forward and then turns to look back at Frank, who's standing at the back of the church. He kneels and takes the Eucharist. The priest says, nothing happens but for God's will. When the evil one walks the earth, rejoice, for our Lord is soon to come. Yura rises and turns, but Frank is gone. As Frank exits, we see the icon's face has been restored. The man at the door bows slightly towards Frank and says, Grajaskora. Frank looks at him. The man says it again and shakes Frank's hand. Frank smiles and replies, Grajaskora. On the screen, the words are translated. He is coming soon. Frank exits into the white light outside. <gasps> and it's over. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> more of that devil <laughs> and angel shit. Yeah, more like establishing the mythology, I guess. Mm-hmm. getting back to it this episode also yeah well yeah getting deeper into it i guess i don't know this episode also kind of reminded me of hell money a little bit the x-files episode just because oh because the cop who yeah yeah well the cop who's part of the in-group and believe and you know there's all this like there's a community that like isn't really working with the outside authorities because mm-hmm. they're scared, but also because they don't trust the authorities, which is fair. It's not super similar, but it did have some of the same vibes. So it did kind of remind mm-hmm. me of that episode. It wasn't my favorite, but it wasn't like, it wasn't terrible. It just like, it wasn't my favorite episode of Millennium. Yeah. When it first started and I kind of saw what was going on, I was kind of like, oh, 
that's why I wrote like the little snarky like opening of like it's red heat versus NYPD blue, which is funny because then that guy has actually been in NYPD blue, but it yeah it it turned out better than I was expecting, so that's a good sign. Some of it's a little a little they go a little heavy on some of the stuff. Um, the E six six six. Uh, yeah. Yeah, a little, a little much, but I mean, no, honestly, not as heavy-handed as they get on some of the stuff next episode, in my opinion. So that's true. That's um, true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know for ratings. I was gonna give it a lower score actually, but thinking about it again, as we've talked about it, like it actually was more streamlined than it felt while well, watch. I feel like it felt a little disjointed when you watch it because you're just trying to follow all this like stuff and like who's your pot of chick and like what's going on and Yura is being cagey as shit. And it's, I don't know, but it does actually like kind of come together a lot better. Well, that's the benefit of it being, I mean, for us, it actually isn't a rewatch because these are the first times we've seen these episodes, mm -hmm. but our discussing it is almost like the rewatch. And so you can actually think about it a little bit more. And I know a lot of times we put notes in these, but sometimes we come up with stuff while we're talking that, yeah. that ends up not in the notes and we go to find it. We can't find it because we didn't write it down. So but yeah, so it, it's kind of, it, I think it's just like, yeah, living with it for a little bit and letting it kind of soak in. and Yeah, kind of once you kind of think about it a little longer, you're like, you know, yeah, I think this is a six for me. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go with six. So a little bit lower than Broken World because you get Broken World to seven last time. Mm -hmm. So, okay. I think I'm going to go with... Let me see here. I'm looking at some of my other numbers. This, for some reason, I'm having trouble with Millennium, like having numbers be consistent. Like I think one thing that I look at, I'm like, oh wait, I can oh, I, oh, I can't do that because that doesn't match what this is. I think maybe some of those episodes are so different. Yeah, um, they do kind of vary a lot, both in like subject matter and style and tone. Like I feel like there's a lot of variation. Well, like we had a, we had our recent two parter, Lamentation and Powers, Principalities, Thrones and Dominions, and that was all angels and demons shit, right? And then we went to Broken World, which just has nothing to do with like demons at all. Just some crazy dude who gets off on killing horses and ladies and uh so it's like it, it, it you kind of go from like the whole like biblical stuff to then like just oh serial killers and then it goes back and then it's oh serial killers and then sometimes they integrate them so it's like, sometimes it's hard to rate those i think comparatively because they're kind of different beasts but i think i've stalled enough and i think i'm going to go with i think i'm gonna go with an eight okay I think I feel like this one kind of hits the way Covenant did for me a little bit. Like that one I thought was also going to be kind of like, uh, but then watching it was like, whoa, this was a pretty good episode. I think I'm in this, like the seven, eight range, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with eight just, and then okay. we'll see. Only got one more episode to go before we have to do the wrap up, but yeah, I'm going to go with eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't bad. It's just, you know. I don't know. It felt a little bit messy, like, especially with the, you know, and I get why Chernobyl was used, but I definitely thought it was going to be like a totally different type of episode <laughs> when it started. And then, I don't know, it goes in a different place. Well, I felt really but... weird writing these notes because, one, I don't speak Russian or Ukrainian or Polish for that matter. And so, like, when I was looking at IMDb credits, some of it was Polish. And so, and like, Chernobyl is actually in Ukraine. It's not in Russia, right? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was in Ukraine. And so I'm like, they probably would have been speaking Russian, but were they speaking Ukrainian? Are they? And that's one of the things, like, when I 
worked at the school, work with students, it was always like some people would get really upset if you called them Russian and they were Ukrainian and vice versa. And so you had to kind of be careful what you were saying, because for someone who doesn't speak the language, it seems like the same thing. And they're usually bilingual and speak both or trilingual because they speak Russian, Ukrainian and English and usually something else too, like Georgian or something. So, but it was just one of those things where I felt weird constantly saying like in Russian movies or like they're speaking in Russian because I actually don't know. Right. You don't Russian know the Ukrainian difference. are very similar, but they are different. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to assume Russian because it's television. They're going to assume. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so. it's, yeah. Yeah. But I try to be cognizant of that because like I, you know, I'm not. Yeah, of course. I'm not up on the nuance and I don't want to offend people. No. So, yeah. But I mean, I feel like Millennium is saying Russian pretty much. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like he's like, you're from Moscow. So we're going to assume it's Russia. And, and like at the time, they didn't consider like Ukraine, Ukraine. They considered just part of Russia. So, right. You know, Chernobyl exactly. was in Ukraine. It was Russia at the time. Yes. So, so yeah. Yeah. They still kind of consider that. I mean, they do um, <laughs> kind of problematically uh, yeah. right now, so, especially, you know, yeah. so that's been going on for a while. But yes. <laughs> yeah. oh, I know when they were when they were talking about like uniting the 10 nations of Russia, I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's a little bit like mm-hmm. maybe it's not Yaponichek. We need to worry about it might be someone else with a shorter name. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And a shorter mm-hmm. stature. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> The dude's got a little man syndrome so bad. Oh, my God. He's got a little man syndrome so bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, he really does. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Six and eight. That's I think that's that's reasonable. That's yeah, good, I think so. Yeah. Solid episode. Nothing super, like, off kilter or, like, weird. You know, it worked. It was what it was. All right. All right. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded in collaboration with Black Cat and Orange Tuxedo Studios. Episode production, design, and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And The Truth is What We Make of It by The Agrarians. I Want to Rewatch is where we talk about the X-Files and X-Files adjacent television and films. If you like what we're doing, check out our show notes for ways to support the podcast. And of course, tell a friend. We'd love to have them join us. Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time, and together, we'll try to figure out if if the the truth truth is still still out there.
my baby, I know. I know, Bob. <laughs> I don't know why you're not napping. It's like lock nap time right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need me to tuck you in? What's going on? Silly boy. It's funny because I was thinking when I was editing one of our recent episodes, I was like, we haven't had any cat interruptions for a really long time. Your walk is um, usually napping around now. I don't know what he's doing today. You just feeling, feeling talkative. Yeah, buddy. I know you're so cute. 